They say the moon is the prettiest object in the night sky. <laughs> is that right? Depends on how you look at it, I guess. How do you look at it? Look out my window, same as anybody. And what do you see? Very, very far away tells tales from the future. Each episode is a designed fiction inspired by conversations and narratives collectively crafted with space enthusiasts and experts in various cultural fields. Very, very far away explores and depicts a fantasized future using space exploration as a lens to discuss the values and ideologies that may inform future societies. Today's episode is inspired by a co-inquiry run at Space Studios headquarters in London during January 2016. Um, moonshine. Yeah, like actually moonshine. What do I see from my window? Rocks and lots of them. Slowly moving like clouds across the blue crescent. You know what? Sometimes it rains. It rains? Yeah, sometimes there's incidents. A cover will burst and debris will come flying down at us. Sometimes you can get some mineral out of it, but sometimes, well, you're not so lucky. Where John's left leg should be, there is what can only be described as scraps of metal bashed together until they resemble something like a classic car exhaust pipe. It's my hot rod. Wow. That's not so bad. In this gravity, it doesn't really keep me from getting around. John Beckman is a retired miner who's living in the original lunar outpost. Built inside one of the tunnels left by the passage of lava under the surface of the moon, the naturally made refuge was chosen to shield the first settlers from solar radiations. Access to the outpost is via the main airlock, which is covered in lunar regolith. The electrostatically charged dust particles that levitate above the main entrance give it a hazy silhouette, which makes it difficult to spot. John's part of the second generation of spacefarers, a program aimed at extending human presence in space. It's part of a resurrected space policy of the early 21st century that piggybacked on Moon Express's eighth continent after the decommissioning of ISS. I met John in the resting alley of the outpost, a long corridor with walls covered in washed-out postcards of Earth's landscapes, like a giant collage filled with notes and wisdom of pioneers and early settlers. The artificial lighting and ambient sound are meant to echo the plastic flowers and flocked grass, the kind you'd find on a scale model. This strange depiction of nature is intended to help the moon dwellers cope with isolation, but it's an odd experience. John and I are seated on airport furniture in the middle of this synthetic memory of an Earthian garden. How long have you been here? Here is, uh, inactive, you mean? Whew, let's see, uh... John, like others here, isn't technically a retiree. He's inactive, but officially still on mission. There is no free market here, and as inactives, their habitat, their clothes, everything that supports their life, are all proprietary items of planetary resources, a company specialized in near-Earth asteroid mining, PR for short. Planetary resources, shaping space for you. He's been here longer than most of us. That's Susie, she's a friend of John's. I've been here seven years. Oh, okay, that means I've been here, uh, 15. 15 big ones. Often too weak or too ill after years spent in zero or low gravity, miners like John don't have many choices and often remain in the outpost. But John is in his 50s, which is quite old for a resident. 
and has an infectiously optimistic outlook on the world. <laughs> Worry doesn't do me no good. Fifteen years isn't that long compared to... I mean, it's kind of long, but... I know some people been here longer. They're a bit funny in the head, though. For John and his colleagues, space dwelling has nothing to do with having a dream come true. In stark contrast with the pioneering effort of prior generations, John was part of the second wave of workforces. Those whose lives were dedicated to maintaining robotic systems and ensure the proper transit of materials back to Earth. Me, uh, I'd do a... Okay, what do I do? Well, until the, the deluge when that Vixinfo's cover tore open, I was a miner. I mean, more specifically, flight assistance. Just making sure the drone fleet got the right flight path, but that was a long time ago. I see, and now? Oh, now I make this. John makes moonshine. That's right. Moonshine on the moon. <laughs> it's pretty good, too. The station functions like a commune. Since registered time spent mining is the only credit unit, there is no currency here, and of course, retired members of the community thereby don't get a salary. That means the community has to rely on barter and cooperation to sustain their living. As a result, cleaning another member's habitat is a popular thing to volunteer to do, especially when you consider some of the less attractive options. Some repairs are bad. Believe me, you don't even want to know how a toilet works here. John gets out of most repairs by trading some of his moonshine. This is this is the new batch right here. Uh, is it always this color? It's always some color. The moonshine is extracted from comets, you see. The flavors and the colors come from other chems. If they're there at extraction, then they stick around after the distillation. Batch composition can differ from comet to comet. Some may contain high levels of ammonia, for instance. The process was inspired by the refining of ethanol fuel, used to power small rovers and resupplying drones. It's not famous for being good for you. Some people have too much fun. <laughs> Here is one of John's video tutorials. You may have seen it online. This is pretty much the setup. Let me show you what we got going on there. Now this is our mash, still a few frozen bits in there. Part of the comet. I'll pour it down here in the boiler. Now watch the temperature. I don't know if you can see it, it's about 150 degrees. You need to get up to about 170, 175 before it starts boiling and going up the still. You can see the temperature on the still's not even moving yet, so it's not quite ready yet. But when it hits 170, you'll see it'll start rising. This boiler is actually just a small little kit boiler I found in the drone bay. I actually got, uh, here, let me, let me show you over here. I got uh, a couple more boilers now. This one's about 30 gallons. John's videos have been viewed millions of times. He uploads tips almost every week. Coming up to temperature now. As you can see, any time now, should start dripping out some alcohol. Now, for those of you who are having issues with achieving the right balance of heat, you may want to try this. You swap out your batteries every two hours. Now, this requires very attentive care, but it'll help you keep the heat steady. Isn't it illegal? Technically, probably, because I'm using PR's gear, but practically, there's, there's no one here to enforce that. We're way too far away. They couldn't care less. It's actually not regulated under any known jurisdiction. There's no TTB here. Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. So no one to ask the permission to. No one asking for your license or permit. It's no one's land. You can only own the rocks. And not even the giant rocks where these smaller rocks come from. It's all about size. <laughs> 1967, 
The moon is common heritage of mankind. And that's what prevented nations from gold rushing. No one can own celestial bodies, so there's no territories in principle. But the truth is, the more you send stuff out here, the more infrastructures you got, so the more you can own it, obviously. Territories ain't geographical out here. They're like services, so to speak. Services? Uh, well, let's say you are sharing the loading bay or that you go check your stuff from the workshop. The place and the tools are all the same, but the rules shift depending on who you're working for. PR or deep space. Who, who provides the service decides the rules. Deep Space Industries is another asteroid mining company sharing facilities in the outpost and specialized in long-distance asteroid recovery. I don't know if it makes sense, but what I mean is if PR was a nation, its border would be its people. Where they are, that's where PR is. I wish my moonshine would make me travel. That makes me travel, John. (laughs) (laughs) Susie is right. But moonshining has become a widespread problem for the community. The practical realities that have held the miners captive and isolated have led many to despair and to social and cultural impoverishment. When he was working, John was remote controlling drones from asteroid to asteroid. John's been here for so long, he recalls going for months past Mars on an asteroid capture mission around the belt to drag a few boulders back into the moon's orbit. That's right. That was the early days of OC. OC, optical communication, also known as laser communication in outer space. The CubeSats didn't reach as far as they do now, but the network was still relatively new, so remote control in those or troubleshooting problems with so much uh, delay wasn't an option. So we had to go too, in our little tin can. Today, John is confined to the outpost, but keeps himself busy with his videos. His videos have gotten more and more elaborate. His expertise makes him a beacon for the outpost community. Once a lunar month, His friends gather at Susie's to share some moonshine. The ambiance is lively. And then, here, try some of this. Should I? On Susie's insistence, I take a swig. Will it burn? It may burn, she says. The sickly narcotic liquid slides down my throat, depositing a translucent film of corrosive quicksilver. The moonshine's initial descent throws a warm towel over my body. My peripheral vision begins to wobble until eventually my sight shrinks down to a pinhole in front of my nose. A second later, an itch runs across my face. My eyes water and my mouth dries up. I exhale. Ah! Fuck! (laughs) That's strong! (laughs) When they are done laughing at me, John tells me how he lost his leg. Well, yeah, like I said, it was raining when the cover around Vixinfo burst. That was one of those fragments that we'd mined and bagged for years till there's probably more dust left than rock. Maybe AI got confused or something, but we dug till we pierced the bag. Time I had no clue the cover burst and only realized when the rain came around from the other side and smashed up the module. Mine wasn't punctured, but the shock from the impact shattered the dash and glasses flying everywhere. Kind of like a slow-motion explosion, and the airlock shut off. I was lucky. Each asteroid in the artificial belt is surrounded by a large Kevlar sack, designed to prevent loose debris from flying down on the surface of the moon. That's what they're supposed to do. They're not supposed to tear. 
So in the end, they had to take away the leg. Who performed the surgery? A robot. Well, no, actually, it was remote-controlled. Some famous doctor on Earth. He drove it, really. Do you miss it? <laughs> you kidding? I got this great thing. As he points to his leg, I get the feeling that John's not telling me the whole story. Susie tells me. Uh, he misses her, you know. That's why he doesn't talk about it. I mean, we all do. When the rain hit, she was inside the module next to John's. It burst through. She was knocked unconscious. Who was she? <sighs> That's tragic. Susie is silent for a minute. Her face reddens as the emotions wash over her. How about John? How does he do without companionship? Oh, well, we all have our ways of dealing. John forgives. He's very religious, unlike me. <laughs> he preaches. It's true that some of John's tutorials have an eerie, mystical quality. In particular, the videos in which he explains in fine detail the ways in which he gets the moonshine to, quote, glow, unquote. Now you see, what we have here is the whole thing. The body. The kind sweetness that you'll find at the edge of the bubbly carbonation. And here, on the bottom of the glass, the sediment. Something that came straight from the heart of the common. Something you see or taste just once in a lifetime, but here distilled and returned anew. Oh, my friends, this one's a beauty, and she's strong. Makes you float, whether you're on the moon or not. Very, Very Far Away is produced by Jasmine Blasco, Andrew Friend, and Citraka Rakotoniena, starring Jordan Roundtree, Dan Hall, and JJ Nolan. VVFA is recorded and mixed by Jeremy Emery and Elliot Hartley in downtown Los Angeles, California.